0: and welcome to episode 103 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Smith, and today we are talking about hand pollination. So there are a number of different reasons why hand pollination might be needed in your garden specifically. We're going to be talking about Those various reasons. We're going to be talking about which plants benefit from hand pollination and then I'm going to be giving you a few tips at the very end to help you increase the visits from pollinators in your garden as much as you're able to anyway. So we're going to be talking through all of that today but first a word from our sponsor. So like I said in the intro, there are a number of reasons why you might be having trouble with pollination for certain plants in your garden. One of them is the increasing decline in bees and other pollinators due to natural habitat. So as we clear away land and make room for buildings or parking structures or anything like that. We're also going to be clearing away the native plants that pollinators use to survive. We're going to be clearing away fallen trees and live trees or standing dead trees that are are where, you know, bees make their natural hives. And then, you know, in addition to bees, it's not, it's not just bees. It's butterflies, it's beetles, it's all kinds of different pollinators. You know, anytime we develop land, we're taking away from natural habitat. And as a result, there ends up being fewer pollinators in the world. There's also a lot of pesticides, herbicides that are being used commercially in commercial farming and things like that, that that do have, unfortunately, a negative impact on our pollinators. So we are also kind of seeing a lot of decline in in pollinator population as a result of that as well. Not only that, but if you are in an urban area, let's say you have a patio or apartment balcony, garden, you know, and you're in the middle of a city, it might be really difficult for for pollinators to find you to find your little garden know that you're there even if you're not in a city if you're in the suburbs um, it's a little bit easier if you're out in the country where pollinators tend to kind of be safe and be able to reproduce in higher numbers. But in the suburbs, I would say it still took a while for pollinators to find my little garden in my backyard. So there's all those reasons why you might be having pollinator problems. And so hand pollination is a, a really good way to help give your plants sort of an assist if pollinators are kind of wanting in your area and it's just what it sounds like it's a human intervening on behalf of mother nature to make sure that a female flower gets pollinated and produces fruit now hand pollination i will say is not always successful female flowers just like female you know, mammals have a window where they're receptive to pollination or fertilization. And not to mention that when a plant produces female flowers, it's not always ready to support fruit yet. Sometimes a plant will produce a female flower and it's kind of like a test run. That plant isn't, isn't big enough and strong enough to support growing large fruit, something like squash or watermelon, something like that. But you know, those caveats aside, hand pollination does boost your chances of successfully growing fruit, you know, so why not try it? Now, I'm going to be talking about a couple different kinds of plants that benefit from hand pollination. So there are such a thing as unisexual plants, also known as monoecious plants, and these are the ones that are going to need the most help via hand pollination if there aren't very many pollinators around so these are plants that produce separate male and female flowers on the same plant but rely on pollinators to take pollen from the male flowers to the female flowers so an example of unisexual plants that are popular in home vegetable gardens include winter squash like butternut acorn spaghetti squash that kind of thing pumpkins and then summer squash so zucchini yellow squash, patty pan squash, and then cucumbers, watermelons, cantaloupe or muskmelon. All of those are going to be examples of unisexual plants that you're likely to see or be growing in your vegetable garden. In contrast, bisexual plants or dioecious plants have what are called perfect flowers. So instead of having separate male and female flowers, these flowers have both male and female parts in the same flower. So just a little bit of wind will take care of pollination for these kinds of plants. So a really good example of these dioecious or bisexual plants would be tomatoes, peppers green beans peas you know you see the little blossoms on them and then a few days later the blossom falls off and you see a little baby fruit come along and that's that's because they have a perfect flower they have both the male and female parts in there and the pollen does not have to really travel it has to travel you know maybe a few millimeters if that to pollinate the female part of the plant and so it's very effective very efficient But with a unisexual plant, you know, those male and female flowers might be like inches or even feet apart in some instances. So the intervention or assistance from pollinators is very, very important to their successful fruiting. Really quick, let's talk about how to tell male and female flowers apart on these various plants that I just mentioned. So winter squash, summer squash, cucumber, watermelon, cantaloupe, that kind of thing. There's some really great example pictures on the sister post for this episode at my blog, beandbasil.com. And as always, you can find the link to the sister post in the show notes for this episode. But a female flower is going to be very, very obvious. It will have a sort of bulb that looks like a tiny little baby version of the final mature fruit that is between the flower blossom and the running stem of the plant. So in the picture that I have in the sister post is of a female squash blossom. And you can see there's like a great big orange squash blossom at one end. And then there is a tiny little baby butternut squash. And then connected to that, the very end the stem of the baby butternut squash is the stem of the or the vine of the butternut squash plant itself so very obvious kind of once you once you start to understand the mechanics the male and female flower thing it's easy to tell the difference the male flower will not have this bulb it'll just be a flower connected to a regular looking stem and that stem then will be connected right to the vine So that's the difference between those male and and female flowers. Now, in terms of pollinating from a male flower to a female flower, think about how lightly bees, ants, butterflies, and all other pollinators make their way between flowers. It's not heavy-handed at all. So it's definitely best to be gentle and take into consideration the following tips. So first... Do your best to work while flowers are naturally open. This is going to be when they are most receptive to pollination. Flowers on unisexual plants, so plants with separate male and female flowers, are open in the early morning from around 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. This is going to be the best time to go out and try to hand pollinate your squash, your melons, that kind of thing. And it's best to wait until they are ready to open. Do not force open either a male or female blossom on a plant, because chances are it's it's not receptive to the hand pollination process, especially a female blossom. It's really not a good idea to, to force a flower open, just because it looks like it's a day away from opening. It's It's probably not going to be successful. And you're going to damage the blossom in the process. Yet another reason why it might not be successful. You're going to want to get a soft bristled paintbrush, like a watercolor brush. So you can like steal it from your kiddos praying watercolor set or Crayola watercolor set. That's perfect. If you have something that's even softer than that, go for it. You don't have to go out though and buy a special little paintbrush for this, just like your Plastic watercolor brush is going to be just fine. Gently brush the bristles around the stamen of the male flower. So for a lot of flowers, these are going to be like little antenna looking things. But when we're talking about things like squash or melons, those male flowers, the stamens look very different. They're almost cone shaped or they'll be kind of like star shaped whatever the case just kind of brush that paintbrush in and around that stamen so that you can collect a whole bunch of the yellow tiny little pollen granules that are on the stamen and get the brush really loaded up with it and you'll notice that kind of as you brush it around, it'll start turning more and more of that yellow color, and that's how you'll know that that you've got a lot of pollen loaded up on there. And try to get it coated on all sides of the brush. And then once you have that paintbrush really nicely coated with the pollen granules, gently move over to a female flower and lightly brush the bristles all around the stigma of the female flower from multiple angles. So the stigma Again, it could be cone-shaped, it could be star-shaped. It really kind of differs from plant to plant, but really brushing that pollen around. Feel free to take multiple trips. Feel free to take pollen from multiple male flowers to the same female flower. It's totally okay if you pollinate from more than one male flower. And that's really it. That's really all you need to do for unisexual plants. Now, like I said... That's not always going to be 100% effective. You know, sometimes those female flowers are open, but their their sort of internal clock or window for pollination has already closed. And and we can't tell. There's no way of telling. A lot of times this will happen even before the blossom begins to droop and fall off. So it's really kind of just a matter of being out there, being ready, you know, the day that 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 flower naturally opens. Now there is one other type of plant that really benefits from hand pollination and I talked about it a little bit in the last episode and that is corn. So hand pollinating for corn is a bit different because while corn is a unisexual plant like melon and squash its parts work very differently. So Instead of a male flower and a female flower like squash or melon, corn stalks have a tassel, which is the male part. So that's the part that grows up out of the very top. And kind of looks like, almost kind of like a firework display. And if you look really close, you'll see they're very large. They almost kind of look like grains of rice. That's what the pollen looks like on a corn tassel. Um, So that's going to be the male part of the plant. And the silks that grow up at the end of the corn cobs on the stalks are actually the female part of the plant and in a healthy corn stalk they emerge just a day or two after the tassels do maybe sometimes closer to a week depending on the weather. Now why would you need to hand pollinate corn? Corn is wind pollinated but in a small garden especially if you have your garden located in a place that doesn't get much in the way of crosswinds or let's say you have fewer than 10 stalks of corn planted and so you weren't really able to do more than like a couple of rows, hand pollination is going to be the best way to make sure that your corn stalks are productive. So here's how to do it. All you need to do is snap a single strand off the tassel at the top of a plant and then take that tassel and gently rub it around each bundle of silks on the stalk. So corn stalks usually produce two to four ears of corn. I know in my vegetable garden, I would say corn stalks, uh, they have a tendency to produce more like one to two ears of corn. They just don't get as big and as beefy as the ones in corn fields do. So do know that. But Just take that tassel, wrap it all around the silks, and then repeat this process as more silks emerge and they grow longer. So silks will continue to emerge and grow longer until they're pollinated. Um, You can kind of tell when they're pollinated because they really start to droop and they start to turn like a yellowy or a brown color and that's how you can sort of tell that like the job's been done feel free to do this for silks more than once nature does it with wind all the time if you need to snap a few tassels off you go out there one day you snap a tassel off you go out there the next day you snap another tassel off kind of rub it around all the different ears of corn and that's just going to give you a much better result when you kind of shuck the corn and open it up and you can see the kernels inside. In fact, I did a little experiment that shows uh, if you go to the sister post for this episode at the very bottom, you can see a picture, the difference that hand pollination can make in a small garden when you're growing sweet corn. So I have a picture of corn cobs that I hand pollinated more than once. And those are the few in at the top of the picture just once. And those are the the few in the middle. And then the ones that I did not hand pollinate at all, I have um, a few at the bottom. And those are very sad and have very few corn kernels on them. And it's you can tell it makes a huge difference in a small garden, hand pollinating does. And that's because every silk strand, you know, we talked about the silks being the female part of the corn plant. Every silk strand is a tube that runs down to a potential kernel. So for every silk strand you pollinate, a nice fat corn kernel should develop. And if that silk strand is not pollinated, then it's kind of like a blank. It just never turns into a corn kernel. So honestly, really pretty easy to hand pollinate corn really pretty easy to to hand pollinate squash and things like that i will say that hand pollination is a lot more reliably effective in corn but still you can still boost your chances with squash and melons and cucumber things like that so still worth a try especially if you have noticed that you don't have a whole lot of pollinators Now, what can you do to improve your pollinator situation in the future? Grow flowers. You've heard me talk about this a little bit before, but make room for fragrant or attractive and especially native flowers in and around your garden. I was super guilty of this when I first started gardening. I dedicated 100% of the space in my garden to fruits and vegetables, and that was it. I did not dedicate any space to flowers whatsoever. I never let my herbs flower. Herbs are another thing that really... I'd have a tendency to attract pollinators if you let them flower. I never did because I was greedy and I wanted them to go on producing nice tasty leaves for me to eat. But letting them flower is a great way to attract more pollinators to your garden. And you don't have to dedicate space to flowers in your vegetable or fruit beds either. You can grow them in the borders of your yard and kind of draw the pollinators in that way. You can grow them in pots, kind of around the perimeter of your vegetable garden. So if you don't have very large garden beds and you don't wanna give up that space, you can honestly just go buy a few pots. In fact, some native plants are better planted in pots. So there's Bee Balm, which really, really is great for attracting bees and other pollinators. It spreads like crazy. And so it's really best to keep it in a pot. Uh, Anything like in the mint family is going to spread like crazy, but bees and butterflies love their flowers. So it's great to have it around. It's best to grow it in a pot. And, you know, honestly, pots can be pretty inexpensive. You can wash them out and reuse them year to year. It's it's a great way to attract pollinators to your vegetable garden without having to sacrifice space in your vegetable beds. So plant flowers. <laughs> uh, and if you need recommendations, I do have a past episode on the best flowers for attracting pollinators to a vegetable garden so you don't have to start from zero with that if you want to go back and listen to that episode that one will give you lots of great tips so i hope that that gives you a little confidence when it comes to trying out hand pollination really pretty easy really pretty safe and and healthy for your plant just takes a little bit of care and attention In the next episode, we're going to be talking about something that is very prevalent this time of year. Maybe you have experienced it already, but that is fixing storm damage in the vegetable garden. So June, July, that is when we start to have those really nasty storms that pop up, especially where I live in Northeast Kansas. You've got things like hail, you've got things like high winds, got things like tons and tons of rain that won't stop. And gee, mini Christmas, is that the boat that I am sitting in right now? It has been raining for like five days straight. So we're going to be talking about things that you can do to remediate damage from any one of those situations We're going to be talking about a few situations where it's probably best to not do anything and just let the garden kind of heal itself. There are situations like that where actually trying to intervene could possibly cause damage and you're best just leaving things alone. So we're going to be covering all of that in the next episode. Until then, thank you so very much for listening. I'm super excited. All my tomatoes are starting to come in. My peppers are coming in much earlier than usual. I think it's because everything got really, really hot really early earlier this month and it kind of kicked them into gear. I've got some succession plantings of popcorn and black beans coming in. Green beans are starting to come in. It is an exciting time in the garden here, and I hope this same story goes for you. I hope you're loving what you're seeing in the garden. I hope you're keeping control of the pest situation in your own garden and that you're just enjoying the season. So, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.